We are also brought to you by Cardinal Cleaning. They can be reached at cardinalcleaningonline.com and 217-679-6567. The owner-operator, Adam Springer, local baseball dude, family friend, standout at Chatham-Glenwood in the mid-90s, also had a stellar career at Rend Lake in Kentucky Wesleyan. Cardinal Cleaning can take care of any cleaning needs you have, home, business, restaurant, weekly, bi-weekly, monthly, whatever you need, they can take care of you. Get a hold of Cardinal Cleaning. They'll do the rest. Hey guys, welcome back to the Post Game Spread Podcast. This is going to be a new segment that's going to be reoccurring. It's going to be out of left field with Joey Albsmeyer. Joey is one of my favorite all-time teammates, an awesome guy, the funniest teammate I've ever had. Bensko also named him as the funniest teammate he ever had. This guy is sharp, hilarious, has great takes, so he's going to be coming in kind of after podcast and saying a few things, some some interesting thoughts, maybe some extra stories here and there. So stay tuned, guys. This is going to be terrific. Uh, you're going to enjoy Joey a lot. Another mid-podcast reaction out of left field here. So I think uh, to do it justice, we've got to back up. When Dusty starts talking about how you know he grew up and we grew up in planes playing together, um, you know, little leagues and riding our bikes up to the fields and all that before he got to, to Fairview and, and Southwest and Dairy Queen and all that. It, unless you know him, it cannot be overstated how dominant he was at everything and how much bigger and better he was even at that young age. Like you've got to understand he was the tallest, the biggest, the strongest. And that you don't just think of us playing summer little league, like Every summer afternoon, he dominated everybody. Every PE class, every recess. Like, you had to stack the other teams so far against him for anyone to have any resemblance of fairness. Like, I, I mean, and I'm, I'm embellishing this a little bit, but, like, it wouldn't have been out of the question to say, like, okay, if we're playing wiffle ball, everybody else only has to hit it to this tree. But Dusty, you have to hit it to that tree way out there for it to be a home run for you. Like there, there was no level of modifying rules or changing things just because, and if you know him, everyone will laugh at this because you know exactly what we're talking about. But it's almost like, uh, you know, we would, we would get to use a metal bat, metal bat. He'd have to use a wiffle ball bat or, you know, we'd hit a tennis ball. He'd hit a wiffle ball. Like that's just the way it was. Like he was, and it was, you know, and he just, of course, just, you know, took it in stride and did everything that he could, you know, that we were just playing and having fun and things like that. But there's, um, I mean, you could, uh, from, you know, kickball or, you know, baseball or wiffle ball or basketball or whatever it was like the, from a very young age, you had to stack the odds so much. I mean, then of course, when we got a little bit older, like the numbers don't always tell the story, right? Like you, you had to be there. You had to see something like you can say, Oh, Dusty went four for four with two doubles and two home runs, but it was never like a pop-up that got over the, the fence. It was like, Guys, Dusty hit one over the cars in the parking lot while everybody else was, you know, we couldn't even hit it to the warning track. Uh, like that's a, I, that's a, a whole, you know, five, six, seven years of growing up from, you know, maybe like eight to 14 or something like that before we got to high school that it was always like that and can't be, it can't be understated. It was every day, 
every PE, every recess, every league game, all that stuff. Another random thought out of left field here. Dusty, are you just hit Dusty with the uh, record for eight home runs in the state tournament when in, in Little League? And then uh, X uh, story about seeing him hit the cycle or for home runs or whatever, right field, center field, left field, whatever that is. Just another random thing popped in my mind. Uh, when we were younger, we were playing some team, I don't remember, but it was it was big, you know, mercy rule type stuff, up 15, 20, something like that. Um, I don't remember who made this call, but to show a little bit of mercy, Dusty goes up and takes his next at bat left-handed. Never practiced left-handed, not a switch hitter. Um, other than us just goofing around in the backyard, Dusty goes up there left-handed of course bomb over the fence left-handed never tries it like there's no there's no better like legendary uh you know example than that right like he just ultra athletic so much bigger and better than everybody i'd be curious to wonder if he remembers that too for the some of the younger listeners that may not have known dusty as a as a basketball player um just a little more context that he gives when he starts talking about his junior season, the 2000 state championship team. Dusty was a, a really rare combination of size and ball handling and shooting. Like he was, I mean, at that time he was probably six four, two ten, something like that. Um, but just incredible footwork, um, I- incredible ability to post up and get the ball. And then when he had the ball in the post, um, being able to get a shot up, right? Like he was facing double teams, triple teams sometimes, um, whether it was spinning in the post, dribbling, pump fakes, you know, moving his body, uh, it, uh, incredible ability to draw fouls, um, and then automatic at the free throw line, right? Like I don't know what his career percentage was, but I mean, he was, all, you know, the, the, the best story is obviously in the state championship game, whatever it was, he set the record for 17 for 17 from the line in the championship game. Um, but, you know, he could, you know, he could handle the ball. He could bring it up the floor. He could shoot the three. Um, you know, there wasn't really anything that he couldn't do, but you just uh, very, if you can, you know, put yourself back in, in small town, you know, central Illinois basketball, when you've got, you know, packed gyms of, uh, a thousand or 1200 people, uh, you can imagine everybody else hated him, of course. Right. And so it was always, you know, the controversial, you know, cause he was really good at drawing fouls. And so of course you had people that were complaining and, you know, hollering and this and that. And, uh, Dusty was always a good sport, but he would, he would definitely, um, poke people or nudge people or whatever. Like, uh, I'm not saying anything vicious or whatever, but like, you know, and, and elbow to the side or when he get the ball, he'd throw the ball down at somebody's feet. Like he did a couple of things that were irritating to other players, you know? So that was, um, and of course he was doing this at an all state level, right? Like there wasn't, uh, I, I know he's got the record for points in a career for our school, um, and this is with, this is with three, four, five other players, uh, you know, that could have all scored on the floor at that time also. Um, and, and I remember thinking that we're, I think to everybody else, they probably assumed that we were just dumping the ball into the post and Dusty would score and that's it or whatever. But, um, and of course that worked quite a bit also, but there were, 
truly, if there were times, like if, if we all decided one game that like, Dusty, we're going to feed it to you every time. Like, let's see if you can score 50 or 60. Like he absolutely could have done it. He had, you know, ways to score under the basket. He could shoot, um, you know, off the dribble. He could shoot, you know, mid-range shots. He could shoot the three. Um, and I know he doesn't go into too much of that because this is more about baseball. But as as dominant as he was playing baseball, the hardest thrower, the best hitter, um, I mean, he was that way in basketball as well. Maybe he wasn't the best uh, ball handler or best three-point shooter, but he could certainly do those very well. Um, but, you know, competitor, uh, and he played the block so incredibly well, really good at drawing fouls, really good at getting a shot up. And then, of course, if he got to the free throw line, I don't, I don't know if his career percentage is, is in the 90s, but it wouldn't surprise me if it was really close. A little more context uh, here. Dusty starts talking about uh, the, the 2000 baseball run and says how we started off, you know, slow. Um, I, Greer, I remember that year. Greer was so worried about keeping us focused. Like, we had just won the basketball state tournament, and he – it was so important to him that he kept us focused that there's still work to do and don't let the that celebration carry over and don't lose the chip on your shoulder and all that. And looking back now as an adult, and I've done a little bit of coaching and I know like how much goes into some of these things, he did he would always do like a, a showcase and a classic at Lanfear and he would it would be like a full slate of games and he'd get us a double header and it was absolutely so that we could face good competition, not from the area. Um, you know, and scouts could come and, and state owner register and all that. And like looking back now, the amount of effort that it took to go into planning that whole day um, and just the platform that he was trying to put us on and give us the opportunities. And then I think we lost both games of a double header. And one of them I'll never forget was to Stu- Stewardson Strasbury. I think it was Stuart Strauss, whatever. I'll look it up or whatever. And I mean, he's going on a post game tirade that at the time I just thought like he was blowing up on us but looking looking back now as an adult it's like he busted his ass to put all these things in place and things he didn't need to do and then we go and lay an egg and lose and I'll never forget he's got us in like short left field and if you remember at Lanfear Ballpark you've got that the the cages and like the clubhouse was down there on the left field and he's he's talking about how he can't believe that we lost to this little uh you know podunk in the middle of nowhere town that takes batting practice with apples while that team is walking by right behind him uh just a little bit of more context that like does and then so we of course then we lose that we didn't we were didn't start off the year playing well and then he talks about losing to Rochester this, when I tell you that Greer poured out his heart and soul to us after losing that game, I mean, Rochester was playing music in the dugout, celebrating. He was, I mean, and he, when Dusty says he talked for us for an hour after that game, that's probably on the short side. He gave us his full life story of, you know, growing up underprivileged and he had to fight and claw for everything. And, you know, don't take, don't take, um, you know, for granted the success that you have, you've got to keep working hard. And I mean, he's talking about how he had to help raise his younger brothers and, you know, never had, never had a vehicle to drive. And I'm talking poured his heart and soul out. And like, at the time I'm thinking, man, this guy, like, you know, it's, it's probably like Friday night. Like I want to go home and do something. You know, I, none of us had the vision of 
if we put in the work and in what was in front of us and if we win, how much it'll mean and what it takes to win and staying focused and all that. Um, but man, looking back, Greer, when Dusty says that, like, you know, just get to state and I'll take care of the rest, you know, he was he was so invested and wanted to be so prepared as far as how he stacked up the pitching matches and, um, you know, wanted to keep us prepared and playing our best every single game. Um, I, th- I think back now how hard that must have been to break through with a bunch of, you know, cocky, arrogant high school kids that had just won a basketball state championship, you know, can't tell us anything. You know, some of the kids had money and nice cars and stereo systems and, um, you know, no, you know, nobody was... Uh, nobody was going to show me, I mean, besides Dusty, obviously, nobody was going to show up and just work their ass off without, you know, someone reminding them and writing them, right? And he did a real, for all the things that, you know, I butted heads with Greer on and he was really hard on me and, and all that stuff. But I mean, absolutely give him credit that he had the only frame of mind to know how difficult it was going to be to keep all of us focused. Um, but yeah, man, we started out not great that season and he absolutely lost I want to say he I think Greer even broke down crying once or twice telling us his life story and all of it you know comes back to he just wanted to not I mean not for himself he had already been to state in in uh 95 I think it was they got fourth we had been to state the year before um truly I do think he wanted it for us I mean that's that's a really really special thing looking back because it's it's so hard to get kids to focus and motivate them and all that. So a little bit, little bit more info there. Okay, Dusty completely glosses over all of his own heroics in the baseball state championship game. And I know I've sent you the, the video clips and tried to give you the visual behind it, but it goes right along with us saying there was no game too big. There was no pressure situation where Dusty wouldn't perform uh, we get to this. Uh, we get to this championship game only on the back of him. I mean, I think in the second or third inning, he hits a curveball about 380 feet to left field for a grand slam. Just unbelievable. You know, who can imagine state championship game hitting a grand slam? Right? Like, there's. I mean, what's the list of people that have even had a chance to do that? I mean, he ultra competitor comes back in the dugout and tells us before his next at bat comes up saying, if this guy gives me first pitch fastball, I'm going to hit another one. And everybody, you know, that's not a surprise to us. I mean, I'm sure I don't know what my reaction was at the time other than great. Hope you do pump, you know, whatever, hype him up, all that. And uh, obviously there's video evidence to back this up. Very, very first. uh, Was it first or second? I had to be first pitch because I think he said first pitch. I'm swinging. Maybe it was second. I don't know. Watch the video. But anyway, fastball coming. I mean, middle outer half. Dusty sitting all over it. Absolutely yeets this ball right off the bat. Knew it. I mean, I don't know if it was four, four twenty, whatever it was. I mean, Lanfear was a pretty deep park, and I mean, this was just you know, just to, it was right of the scoreboard. So I mean, left center, left center. As soon as he hits this ball. I mean, like it's, uh, what's his name? Joe Boo from uh, Major League turns and looks right into the dugout and gives us all an I told you so. Drops the bat. So on his on his first home run, the the grand slam, you know, he's fired up. He's running around the bases, you know, you know, pumping his chest or whatever, super excited. On the second one, he rounds first base and comes to this <laughs> slow, like, chug. 
And I don't remember if he said something to every player by, but on the video, you can see him like with his head down. As soon as he passes all the other players, second base, short, third, they all turn and like whip their head back to him. Like he said something under his breath to every single one of them. I mean, that like that is the, the perfect example in the biggest game that any of us, you know, would have played to that point. He has a grand slam to put us up 5-1. And then he has a solo home run, absolute moonshot that I don't know what it put us up at the time. And then, of course, Dusty, the way he tells the entire story is just him striking out in the last inning, which, it, you know, everything that we've said about him being team first and, and all that stuff. But uh, I would encourage anyone to look that game up on YouTube um, and one, just watch his his home run highlights and then watch what he's talking about in the seventh inning. But for him to be as excited about the team. Oh, wait, I can't cut this short. Okay, this is going to be a long-winded one. Tutopolis plays such a role in this. The year, two years before, we had lost to T-Town in the first round of state. I think that was 99. So in 2000, in, uh, in basketball, we beat T-Town in basketball for the state championship. And so then now here we are in, uh, in the baseball state championship, same year. There's a little more to this story. Like we had gone as a team and scouted T-Town when they had played Lewiston, I think it was. And of course, T-Town knew it was us walking up and they're like, we knew who they were. They knew who we were like by name. Um, you know, we didn't have social media at that time, but like, I think there was a couple of AIM screen names that might've been shared and there was enough trash talking going on. So fast forward to this championship game, T-Town gets bounced in the semis, but they stay for the championship game. And there's a group of, let's say 25, 30 of them that are wildly rooting against us. So we of course get to that last inning. Tyler leads off with a hit. Dusty is up next and he strikes out when of course everyone is thinking, you know, Hey, this is our chance. Dusty's hit two home runs or whatever. Uh, all of T-Town from the crowd starts chanting automatic, uh, because three months earlier, Dusty had just hit 17 out of 17 free throws on them in the championship game. And our crowd was chanting automatic every time he went to the free throw line. So you, you can only imagine like what's going through his head and his heart, you know, when all that stuff goes down, so anyway, next batter up, Jordan uh, hits a ball to third base that could end it. They he The third baseman short hops the guy at second for the double play, goes into the outfield. I get a base hit to left. Um, uh, let's see, uh, Nelson hits one back to the pitcher. He bobbles it, but they get an out. Uh, then Jess hits a ball to left that we score and we tie on. And so we get three runs there and we tie it. And you can look back on the video. Dusty celebrates with us for like a second and then immediately turns around and is like jumping and pointing at T-Town. Like you, that's that's him. Like he got as much enjoyment out of like, you know, beating his enemies and proving other people wrong than he did anything else. So then, yeah, I think Aaron Zirko's up next. He lines a ball to right. Jess comes all the way around and scores and we take the lead 10-9. And of course it's, you know, pandemonium. We're all jumping up and down and, and all that stuff. Uh, next inning, you know, very fitting. Uh, we get, uh, they get a couple of runners on. We've got one out ground ball back to Clark on the mound. He turns and fires to dusty at shortstop steps on second fires the ball over to Jordan and, and, you know, finishes out the state championship. So, uh, very fitting for him to play the best game 
in the state championship and also right there at shortstop to to close it out to win. So, what a game. I got a comment on this ball that Dusty hit in the sectionals at Lincoln Land. There are there are times when you see something that you immediately are struck that that is different than normal. And I've seen, I mean, when you talk batting practice and other games and all these other things, I've seen Dusty hit 100-plus balls over a fence. When I tell you this particular ball, it, I'm not kidding you. Like, the the Earth's rotation slowed down a little bit. Like, the moment froze, it stopped. Like, the the sound, the angle, the speed that it came off the bat, Every you just, it was different. I mean, it's like, it, it, you know, when you get, when you're older, and you go play in like charity golf tournaments and you like have like a, a long drive specialist that's like the guest hitter on a hole. And you're, you know, just thinking you, this guy can hit a little bit further than me. And then they go up there and they hit it and everyone stopped and you're like, oh my God, like how is that even possible? Like this ball, the only thing, the only part of it that I don't remember is whether it was over the lights or three quarters of the way up the pole, but I know for certain this ball was still on an upward trajectory when we lost sight of it past the lights. So I don't know, maybe it's worth a trip back out to Lincoln land to look again, but I'm not kidding you. The there's, they cannot like most, most of his other stories, it cannot be understated that this ball was different than other ones that we, that we had seen. Um, and and hands down, absolutely the best ball or the 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 most different ball that I've ever seen hit. Uh, and then of course the second part to this that uh, only a couple of us remember is that the next time up to the plate um, they plunked him and Dusty turns and fires the bat back. And so Jordan Roth was on deck. I was in the hole. Um, so which was, if you remember at Lincoln land, we were on the third base side and I was standing basically just out, you know, where the little entry was kind of with my arm up on the side, getting ready to take some swings. And when Dusty gets hit and turns and cocks his bat back to fire it back, Jordan and I both dive for cover as this bat comes whipping back full speed in a line off of the netting and takes his <laughs> takes his trot down to first base because he was pissed that he didn't get to hit again. Uh, but no doubt in my mind, uh, whether the ball was found or not found or what the actual distance ended up being, um, that ball was different than anything I'd ever seen yet. Final thought here on Dusty and kind of some of what Aper had talked about too is that, <clears throat> man... Whenever they talk about getting released, I mean, it sounds, you know, worse than a breakup, right? Like, is that, you know, as as guys that play baseball, isn't that so funny that, like, it becomes so important to us and such a, um, like, a romantic relationship, right? I know everybody likes to say that, the line from the movie, how can you not be romantic about baseball? But whenever it's time to go, whenever that, that letdown you know, happens, it sounds like, like the way that people talk about it is like a breakup, right? It's like somebody in your life has left you. And Dusty talked about, he felt like he was letting, you know, other people down, his parents and his friends and his town and all that stuff. I just, I remember thinking like, what happened? Like how, how good 
does someone have to be to break through? If as good as Dusty was, if all everything that he had accomplished, all the stats, all the wins, everything, I, I just I remember thinking like, how is that even possible? How are there that many people out there that could possibly be better than him? Um, and I think about that too with like you know other guys that we played with. Like there, if Dusty's hitting six fifty or whatever it was, like. There, there aren't guys hitting 900, right? Like how, I just, I, I, I remember thinking, how is it even possible? Like if, if not him, then who? And like, how, how much better can you be? I just thought, you know, uh, I think at that time, you know, Jason Worth was pretty much a household name. I don't know, you know, exa- everybody of course knew him and he was a first round pick and, you know, he was mashing the ball and all that. But I just, I always remember thinking, I'm like, well, if that's what Worth did, I'm like, Dusty will do that. Like, he's on the same level as him, I would think. Um, you know, and then, of course, you know, he doesn't get drafted and he goes to college and he comes out. And I just, that's, that's I think that's the my underlying feeling, especially like when you hear Aper too. Like, he had that amazing year or two years at Lincoln Land. And I know what I did at Lincoln Land and what my stats were. And it's hard for me to imagine someone hitting that well and playing that well. And then I think, well, I mean, of course, yeah, that's, he's going to make it. And then it just, it's hard to even imagine, I guess I haven't been around somebody that's broken all the way through and and had a career and all that, but um, it can't, it can't just be, you know, one extra hit per week or one, you know what I mean? That, that makes the difference. And maybe it's the organization and it's the lucky breaks and all that, you know, Aper didn't have, amazing things to say about the Marlins organization and he thought that he was going to Boston and that was sort of what you know was going to line up well for him and then Dusty talks about how amazing the Twins organization was and how he was a signed free agent and he did get a chance um, you know to get all of his ABs so uh, would love to hear some perspective of guys I mean I you know looking forward to hear from O'Malley and whoever else that did make it all the way to the show and uh, would love to hear their perspective on, you know, how much the organization that you land in plays a role in whether you advance or not. Um, yeah, just so many, so much stuff. Love, love hearing all of these stories. Love reminiscing on it. Love hearing the similarities and the same types of, um, you know, coaches' names and other players from the area pop up. So I know we're only two guests in, but uh, looking forward to a, a big long ride with all this stuff.